Hey everybody, 8th of June. Gonna get days with back-to-back podcasts. Um, it just we get you know past the spring rush and everything that's going on and just the stuff. We'll try to try to get more of these out here. Um, this day today's gonna be a little bit different deal. Now you know the grain market's kind of been rallying back. Um, yeah, I don't trust what Turkey or Russia either one's up to, and I'm guessing the the Turks really don't trust the Russians, and the Russians really don't trust the Turks either. But um, they're they're playing around there uh, in the Black Sea, and that's affecting prices, which it, which affects everything. But what I really want to talk about today, and and I'll give you the setup after I kind of give what it is. But how does a conservative organization operate in a very liberal state? Now, uh, lot, not a lot of you know this, but some of you do. I, I I'm a past member of the Illinois Beef Association Board of Directors. Um, been a member of the Illinois Beef for quite a while. Um, you know, done two terms as the state FSA director. And the second time I went back, you know, you got off the beef board and, because you just do that. You know, you don't try to be a state director and represent an organization. I mean, and you, you run into the, well, the reason you didn't, uh, you know, uh, do anything to help me with my appeal is because I wasn't a member of the organization. No. So you, you, so I get off the beef board, but I've stayed involved and they had their, their summer conference, kind of a summer annual meeting, uh, yesterday. It was really nice. Went over to Macomb, had it at the Spoon River College, uh, outreach center. Um, you know, worked, worked really well, uh, had it in conjunction with the Illinois, uh, Forage Association. And I'm sure I'm not I'm not getting the, the name quite right, but it's the people that you know sell hay, sell seed like that, uh, do forage stuff, do you know rotational grazing and everything. And, and there's an Illinois Forage Council, and so Illinois Beef had their meeting in conjunction with them. So you know you kind of get these policy updates, and then you also you know there's some uh, nice you had some university professors. Uh, I know Judy and I went to the one on the heifer development. I thought that was really good. Dr. Dan Scheich did a really, really good job of uh, talking about, you know, you know, basically when you're in the cow-calf business, even the purebred cattle business, you're in the business of getting females pregnant. I mean, that's what's got to happen for you to have new calves. And, and especially in the purebred operations when you're, you know, uh, you know, flushing embryos and then implanting embryos so you're doing embryos on top of AI and uh, just yeah trying try, you know you got to get the females pregnant for you to be successful uh, and, and that's animal agriculture all the way across the, the board you know you got to get the cows sows and ewes pregnant I mean they just got to to have the, the next year's crop of livestock but, um, you know, we, we have multiple conversations and a lot of side conversations, a lot of people talking. And, of course, we got a, a primary here in Illinois that uh, normally happens in March. It's going to happen here at the end of the June. So we had probably more than the num- normal number of politicians show up at the summer conference. Uh, in the wintertime, we have a legislative reception down in the state capitol, Springfield, and you have quite a few politicians show up at that. But to have them show up at summer conference, you're like, hmm, must be an election going on, which there was. And you had some people show up that 
probably normally wouldn't have showed up at summer conference. And it, it's also a nice awards banquet. You know, you have the, the farm family of the year, the seed stock, stock producer of the year, the commercial producer of the year, the junior person of the year. I mean, it, there, there's, a, there's a number of, uh, of awards that, that are handed out, and that, that's always nice, appreciative. Uh, I can brag a little bit back. I think it was in 2019 we were the farm family of the year. Much appreciated. Um, by the Illinois Beef Association, very very appreciated. Uh, they got good leadership. Got a former um, college agriculture professor who also always had a small beef herd. Who is the president right now? He's retired from being a uh, from teaching at a college or a university actually, and uh, he's kind of this is kind of his full time deal being the president of the Beef Association. Does a good job. Doc does a does a good job, but. You know, being, you know, let, let's let's just lump Illinois in with California and probably New York, a few of the other northeastern states. Um, you know, you, you have states like Wisconsin and Iowa that, that, you know, are competitive Republican-Democrat. But, you know, the, the conservatives have got a chance of winning. And in, in Illinois, uh, the Democrats have a supermajority in, in both the state Senate and the state House. Um, the, the redistricting is pretty much guaranteed that they're going to have a supermajority. And, and, and the, the big reason there is we continue to, to lose population in, quote-unquote, what they call downstate Illinois, which would be called upstate New York. I, I get a kick out of it. It's upstate New York and it's downstate Illinois. Um, you have those um, you, you, you have those dynamics going on that the fact the only place the population's really growing is the suburbs. You know, the city's kind of standing still and losing some population. But um, I forget the, I think they were talking and, I, and I'm going to have the statistics wrong, but like there's five or six counties that's got like nine million people in it, and then the rest of the state's got like four point. Nine million in it. Um, so basically, you know, but when you get down to it, about four or five counties, how they vote really controls how whatever goes on in the state. And through redistricting, you know, everything moved north towards the city. And a lot of downstate districts, state senate and state rep districts, got really big. I know they were talking about one downstate state senator that's almost 100 miles north-south. And, and, and the Dems did a really good job, too, because they took all the downstate um, larger towns. I'm, you know, 100,000 people. I don't know if you really want to call that a city anymore. Then um, the cities will be mad if you don't call them that. But, you know, the larger towns. And they took the Democratic areas out of those, and they kind of linked them together going across the interstates to make these downstate Democratic state Senate state rep seats. Uh, and so then you were left with just wide swaths of just really rural people with maybe the biggest town in, in the state Senate or state rep district being, you know, six 8,000 people. And it takes a lot of geography to then to make those districts up. So, how does a conservative organization, and I'll call the Beef Association conservative because its membership is conservative, and its membership, you know, uh, 
Well, sometimes the membership doesn't understand that you got to work with the people that they would oppose because those are the people in control. And I can tell you that you probably spend as much time stopping things as you do passing things. And, and let's face it, sometimes the best thing to do is to leave well enough alone, but most politicians got to be doing something to look like they're doing something for the people. So they enter some bill, they enter some legislation, they do something to try to solve something. And you have the law of unintended consequences. You know, be careful what you ask for. You just might get it. And and so you spend a lot of your time basically trying to stop things. And, and then because the state is the way it is, you have some Republicans trying to be relevant that um, will either... Um, do something that you're like, what are you doing that for? That's that's coming out of left field, literally left field, because they're wanting to be relevant. You know, you expect it from a very, very liberal, progressive, you know, Democrat from the city. You don't expect it from, quote unquote, somebody downstate. Or you have somebody enter a, what I call a very right wing bill that's going to upset the opposition that, yeah, it's red meat for all the conservatives, but yet um, it's it's a fight we really don't want to pick because we know we can't win it. And I know I know this will upset a number of my conservative friends saying, well, you need to fight the fight and you need to, you know, it's numbers, people. It's numbers. And we're, we're we, and I can tell you there's other states out here that this is going to happen to. I look at Tennessee, Nashville's going to do nothing but get bigger. And a lot of people moving to Nashville are not conservative Tennesseans. Atlanta, Georgia is going to continue to get bigger. I think you're seeing Georgia going through those pains of of switching over to the one giant city and the rest of conservative rural Georgia. Uh, you're you're going to have this in Omaha, Nebraska. You know you're you're going to have Omaha starting to dominate. You know that state, and and I can tell you too that that for too long a lot of people kind of stuck their heads in the sand in my state and didn't didn't want to realize that things are changing and we needed to change how we did some things to stay relevant. But I can tell you that, that, in my opinion, the Beef Association is very relevant. We'll work with who we have to work with. Uh, on top of it, um, there, there, there are some Democrats that, that are actually pretty friendly to us. And I'm going to say this. This is going to upset a lot of people. Mike Madigan, who's the, the hated Mike Madigan out of Chicago, you know, the boss, guy that's indicted by the feds, I know, but then that, you know... A Fed indictment of an Illinois politician is nothing new, folks. It happens a lot, uh, both Republicans and Democrats. It's just, you know, and I think part of it is just kind of like the happy hunting ground for the FBI and the Department of Justice. You know, it probably goes on everywhere, but we've just had a lot of success, you know, doing this in in Illinois. And so let's go there and look. We'll find something. Um Mike Madigan stopped a lot of crazy stuff from happening, folks. 
because he still thought that there was downstate districts that the Democrats could be competitive in. He wanted to be more than just a you know one or two county party. And you know if something was way out of left field, he would assign it to some committee or some you know procedural vote that would make sure it would never see the light of day. And you got to have friends on both sides of the aisle. So I guess what I'm getting down to too is, um, you know, you know, the the conservative membership of an organization is going to have to sometimes give the leadership of the organization the ability to go work with people that a lot of the conservatives maybe wouldn't like, but they're going to stop some of the things from happening to to the agricultural industry that we just can't handle. And and I'm really looking at some animal agricultural issues. I'm looking at some radical vegans. I'm looking at some of those kinds of things, you know, where you have a state, you know, well, like, what was it, Colorado? They were trying to get, like, a meatless Monday in the school lunch program. You know, those are are direct things going that, you know, and, and, and when I talk about states, I can throw Colorado in there. You know, Denver, Boulder, you know, you got Colorado Springs, but you know, you got you got Denver and its surrounding suburbs that continue to somewhat dominate that state. While a lot of the rural areas of, of these states that I've been talking about continue to get more conservative. But there's less there's less and less rural people in a lot of these states. And I'm not saying you don't fight the good fight. Those of you that know me know that I've for years have fought the good fight. And have, you know, uh, given a choice between two people, I generally, not always, but I generally go with the more conservative one. Um, to the point where some people are just too too far to the right. Um, but, I, but I think, uh, you know, the agriculture organizations, you know, we got to figure it out. Now, nationally, that's a different deal. Nationally, this thing is different. And I think I think the ag organizations nationally have got to be worried about being seen as too establishment in a way, because both the left and the right are going farther left and farther right, and the establishment shrinking in the middle. You know, I, I, and I, this will get me in trouble with some people, but I think a lot of establishment establishment Republicans have got to look in the mirror and say, are we becoming the Whigs? And for those of you that don't know the history, the Whigs were the forerunner of the Republican Party. The, the Whigs were, were very, very prevalent um, before Abraham Lincoln's ascension. Abraham Lincoln was actually a Whig at one time. But the, the Whigs weren't far enough uh, on certain issues one way. And the, the quote-unquote new Republican Party was born out of that. And I think the fight you're seeing on between the conservative and the establishment Republicans is really for the heart and soul of where the Republican Party's going to go. And, you know, you, could, you, can, you can say, well, they're Trumpians or they're whatever. You know, you go back, uh, Newt Gingrich, the contract with America. He got a lot of people fired up that normally weren't, but that kind of faded away. And Bill Clinton was very, very good at campaigning. Bill Clinton, it's the economy stupid, was able to you know, pull things back together and, and triangulate to the middle. Um, then, you know, 
you had the Tea Party movement. And a lot of the same people that's in, in that's kind of in this Trump deal are the same Tea Party people. And so when you look at it, you know, this, this thing has been shifting. So I think, you know, and, and that's what I think is maybe hard for some of these organizations because, I mean, a lot of our ag organizations are establishment-oriented because you get used to working with certain people that are always there, that are always around, that, you know, may represent a state but live in Alexander, Virginia. Um, and, and a lot of your lobbyists and people that work in these national organizations that have a office out in Washington, D.C., you know, they, they may be friends and neighbors with these same people. But there are states, and, and I think I've named a few of them, but, and I probably missed a few, <clears throat> that, you know, you're going to have a conservative organization in a liberal state. I can tell you I got a good friend from California and said part, part of the problem that California agriculture did was California agriculture tried to get along with them for too long and then there was a point where they started to fight them because they had nothing left to lose and so you could maybe come back and say well that's that's what you're saying you want you want them to do here well no I'm looking for friends on the other side of the aisle that will actually stop some of the crazy stuff that happened in California from happening but we got to give them a little room to breathe But I also know, too, that, that there's certain things we're going to have to fight on. And I think, too, there's some Republican uh, politicians that are going to have to realize that, especially in primaries, there's going to be certain issues that, well, as, as one beef leader told me one time, you know, um, it's Armageddon. And, and he was talking about, you know, the animal welfare rights people. You know, because if they get their way, they shut down what this guy's livelihood is because he feeds a lot of cattle. You know, there's really no compromise there. And, you know, he says, I expect that out of, you know, the Gold Coast along Lakeshore Drive. I don't expect that out of somebody from, you know, conservative downstate Illinois. And I also think, too, and I think we've tried to do a lot of this, is, is the education of people that don't really understand what we do in agriculture. You know, all that corn, sweet corn. No, it's not. We don't, you don't, humans don't eat any of that. I'll give you an ear of corn in the fall of the year and you can try to eat that. But it makes doggone good animal feed. We export it all over the world. And then we also, you know, turn it into biofuels along with feed and everything. You know, the carbon dioxide we get off of it, the, the corn oil we get off of it, you know, soybean processing. You know, there, and there's a lot of jobs there. You know, the fact that agriculture is still the number one industry in this state when it comes to economic activity and people, um, you know, going along. And I, and I think that's what we have to tell our friends across the aisle, even though we're a conservative group and even though you have liberal viewpoints, everybody's got to eat. Well, hey, went here long enough conservative organization in a liberal state makes interesting bedfellows at times. That's that's maybe how I'll leave it at that. Well, hey, if you got any thoughts on this, if you think I'm off base, if you think I'm wrong, let me know. I uh, don't mean to upset anybody. It's just the realities that we live in. Hey, to the smartest audience in agriculture, thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. 8th of June. Gonna get days with back-to-back podcasts. 
um, it, just we get you know past the spring rush and everything that's going on and just the stuff we'll try to try to get more of these out here um, this day today's going to be a little bit different deal now you know the grain market's kind of been rallying back um, yeah, I don't trust what Turkey or Russia either one's up to, and I'm guessing the the, the Turks really don't trust the Russians, and the Russians really don't trust the Turks either. But um, they're 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 playing around there uh, in the Black Sea, and that's affecting prices, which it, which affects everything. But what I really want to talk about today, and and I'll give you the setup after I kind of give what it is. But how does a conservative organization? operate in a very liberal state. Now, uh, not a lot of you know this, but some of you do. I'm a past member of the Illinois Beef Association Board of Directors. Um, Been a member of the Illinois Beef for quite a while. Um, You know, done two terms as the state FSA director. And the second time I went back, you know, you got off the beef board and because you just do that. You know, you don't try to be a state director and represent an organization. I mean, and you, you run into the, well, the reason you didn't, uh, you know, uh, do anything to help me with my appeal is because I wasn't a member of the organization. No. So you, you so I get off the beef board, but I've stayed involved. And they had their, their summer conference, kind of a summer annual meeting uh, yesterday. It was really nice. Went over to Macomb had it at the Spoon River College uh, Outreach Center. Um, you know, worked, worked really well. Uh, had it in conjunction with the Illinois uh, Forage Association. And I'm sure I'm not, I'm not getting the, the name quite right, but it's the people that, you know, sell hay, sell seed like that, uh, do forage stuff, do, you know, rotational grazing and everything. And, and there's an Illinois Forage Council. And so Illinois Beef had their meeting in conjunction with them. So, you know, you kind of get these policy updates. And then you also, you know, there's some uh, nice, you had some university professors. Uh, I know Judy and I went to the one on the heifer development. I thought that was really good. Dr. Dan Scheich did a really, really good job of uh, talking about, you know, you know, basically when you're in the cow-calf business, even the purebred cattle business, you're in the business of getting females pregnant. I mean, that's what's got to happen for you to have new calves. And, and especially in the purebred operations when you're, you know, uh, you know, flushing embryos and then implanting embryos, so you're doing embryos on top of AI and uh, just, yeah, trying, try, you know, you got to get the females pregnant for you to be successful uh, and, and that's animal agriculture all the way across the, the board. You know, you got to get the cows, sows, and ewes pregnant. I mean, they just got to, to have the, the next year's crop of livestock. But, um, you know, we, we have multiple conversations and a lot of side conversations, a lot of people talking. And, of course, we got a, a primary here in Illinois that uh, normally happens in March. It's going to happen here at the end of the June. So we had probably more than the normal number of politicians show up at the summer conference. Uh, In the wintertime, we have a legislative reception down in the state capitol, Springfield, and you have quite a few politicians show up at that. But to have them show up at summer conference, you're like, hmm, must be an election going on, which there was. And you had some people show up that probably normally wouldn't have showed up at summer conference. 
And it, it's also a nice awards banquet. You know, you have the, the Farm Family of the Year, the Seed Sock Stock Producer of the Year, the Commercial Producer of the Year, the Junior Person of the Year. I mean, it, there, there's, a, there's a number of, uh, of awards that, that are handed out, and that, that's always nice, appreciative. Uh, I can brag a little bit back. I think it was in 2019 we were the Farm Family of the Year. Much appreciated. Um, by the Illinois Beef Association, very very appreciated. Uh, they got good leadership. Got a former um, college agriculture professor who also always had a small beef herd. Who is the president right now? He's retired from being a uh, from teaching at a college or a university actually, and uh, he's kind of this is kind of his full time deal being the president of the Beef Association. Does a good job. Doc does a does a good job, but. You know, being, you know, let, let's let's just lump Illinois in with California and probably New York, a few of the other northeastern states. Um, you know, you, you have states like Wisconsin and Iowa that, that you know, are competitive Republican-Democrat. But, you know, the, the conservatives have got a chance of winning. And in, in Illinois, uh, the Democrats have a super majority in in both the state Senate and the state House. Um, the, the redistricting is pretty much guaranteed that they're going to have a super majority. And 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 the, the big reason there is we continue to to lose population in quote unquote what they call downstate Illinois, which would be called upstate New York. I, I get a kick out of it. it's upstate New York and it's downstate Illinois. Um, you have those um, you, you you have those dynamics going on. That the fact the only place the population's really growing is the suburbs. You know the cities kind of standing still and losing some population. But um, I forget the. I think they were talking, and, I, and I'm going to have the statistics wrong. But like there's five or six counties that's got like nine million people in it, and then the rest of the state's got like four point. Nine million in it. Um, so basically, you know, but when you get down to it, about four or five counties, how they vote really controls how whatever goes on in the state. And through redistricting, you know, everything moved north towards the city. And a lot of downstate districts, state senate and state rep districts, got really big. I know they were talking about one downstate state senator that's almost 100 miles north-south. And, and, and the Dems did a really good job, too, because they took all the downstate um, larger towns. I'm, you know, 100,000 people. I don't know if you really want to call that a city anymore. Um, and the cities will be mad if you don't call them that. But, you know, the larger towns. And they took the Democratic areas out of those, and they kind of linked them together going across the interstates to make these downstate Democratic state Senate state rep seats. Uh, and so then you were left with just wide swaths of just really rural people with maybe the biggest town in, in the state Senate or state rep district being, you know, six 8,000 people. And it takes a lot of geography to then to make those districts up. So, how does a conservative organization, and I'll call the Beef Association conservative because its membership is conservative. And its membership, you know, uh, well, sometimes the membership doesn't understand that you got to work 
with the people that they would oppose because those are the people in control. And I can tell you that you probably spend as much time stopping things as you do passing things. And, and let's face it, sometimes the best thing to do is to leave well enough alone, but most politicians got to be doing something to look like they're doing something for the people. So they enter some bill, they enter some legislation, they do something to try to solve something. And you have the law of unintended consequences. You know, be careful what you ask for, you just might get it. And, and so you spend a lot of your time basically trying to stop things. And then because the state is the way it is, you have some Republicans trying to be relevant that um, will either um, do something that you're like, what are you doing that for? That's, that's coming out of left field, literally left field, because they're wanting to be relevant. You know, you expect it from a very, very liberal, progressive, you know, Democrat from the city. You don't expect it from, quote unquote, somebody downstate. Or you have somebody enter a, what I call a very right wing bill that's going to upset the opposition. That, yeah, it's red meat for all the conservatives, but yet um, it's, it's a fight we really don't want to pick because we know we can't win it. And I know, I know this will upset a number of my conservative friends saying, well, you need to fight the fight and you need to, you know, it's numbers, people. It's numbers. And we're, we're we, and I can tell you there's other states out here that this is going to happen to. I look at Tennessee, Nashville's going to do nothing but get bigger. And a lot of people moving to Nashville are not conservative Tennesseans. Atlanta, Georgia is going to continue to get bigger. I think you're seeing Georgia going through those pains of, of switching over to the one giant city and the rest of conservative rule Georgia. Uh, you're, you're going to have this in Omaha, Nebraska. You know, you're, you're going to have Omaha starting to dominate, you know, that state. And, and I can tell you, too, that, that for too long, a lot of people kind of stuck their heads in the sand in my state and didn't, didn't want to realize that things are changing and we needed to change how we did some things to stay relevant. But I can tell you that, that in my opinion, the Beef Association is very relevant. We'll work with who we have to work with. Uh, on top of it... Um, there, there, are, there are some Democrats that, that are actually pretty friendly to us. And I'm going to say this. This is going to upset a lot of people. Mike Madigan, who's the, the hated Mike Madigan out of Chicago, you know, the boss, guy that's indicted by the feds, I know, but then that, you know, a fed indictment of an Illinois politician is nothing new, folks. It happens a lot. Uh, both Republicans and Democrats. It's just, you know, and I think part of it is just kind of like the happy hunting ground for the FBI and the Department of Justice. You know, it probably goes on everywhere, but we've just had a lot of success, you know, doing this in in Illinois. And so let's go there and look. We'll find something. Um, Mike Madigan stopped a lot of crazy stuff from happening, folks. Because he still thought that there was downstate districts that the Democrats could be competitive in. He wanted to be more than just a you know one or two county party. 
And, you know, if something was way out of left field, he would assign it to some committee or some, you know, procedural vote that would make sure it would never see the light of day. And you got to have friends on both sides of the aisle. So I guess what I'm getting down to, too, is, um, you know, it, you know, the, the conservative membership of an organization is going to have to sometimes give the leadership of the organization the ability to go work with people that a lot of the conservatives maybe wouldn't like, but they're going to stop some of the things from happening to, to the agricultural industry that we just can't handle. And, I, and I'm really looking at some animal agricultural issues. I'm looking at some radical vegans. I'm looking at some of those kinds of things, you know, where you have a state, you know, well, like, what was it, Colorado? They were trying to get, like, a meatless Monday in the school lunch program. You know, th- th- those are those are direct things going that, you know, and, and, and when I talk about states, I can throw Colorado in there. You know, Denver, Boulder, you know, you got Colorado Springs, but, you know, you got, you got Denver and its surrounding suburbs that continue to somewhat dominate that state, while a lot of the rural areas of, of these states that I've been talking about continue to get more conservative. But there's less, there's less and less rural people in a lot of these states. And I'm not saying you don't fight the good fight. Those of you that know me know that I, for years, have fought the good fight. And have, you know, uh, given a choice between two people, I generally, not always, but I generally go with the more conservative one. Um, to the point where some people are just too too far to the right. Um, but, I, but I think, uh, you know, the agriculture organizations, you know, we got to figure it out. Now, nationally, that's a different deal. Nationally, this thing is different. And I think I think the ag organizations nationally have got to be worried about being seen as too establishment in a way, because both the left and the right are going farther left and farther right, and the establishment shrinking in the middle. You know, I, I, and I, this will get me in trouble with some people, but I think a lot of establishment establishment Republicans have got to look in the mirror and say, are we becoming the Whigs? And for those of you that don't know the history, the Whigs were the forerunner of the Republican Party. The, the Whigs were, were very, very prevalent um, before Abraham Lincoln's ascension. Abraham Lincoln was actually a Whig at one time. But the, the Whigs weren't far enough uh, on certain issues one way. And the, the quote-unquote new Republican Party was born out of that. And I think the fight you're seeing on between the conservative and the establishment Republicans is really for the heart and soul of where the Republican Party is going to go. And, you know, you, could, you, can, you can say, well, they're Trumpians or they're whatever. You know, you go back, uh, Newt Gingrich, the contract with America. He got a lot of people fired up that normally weren't, but that kind of faded away. And Bill Clinton was very, very good at campaigning. Bill Clinton, it's the economy stupid, was able to you know, pull things back together and, and triangulate to the middle. Uh, then, you know, you had the Tea Party movement. And a lot of the same people that's in, in that's kind of in this Trump deal are the same Tea Party people. 
And so when you look at it, you know, this, this thing has been shifting. So I think, you know, and, and that's what I think is maybe hard for some of these organizations because, I mean, a lot of our ag organizations are establishment-oriented because you get used to working with certain people that are always there, that are always around, that, you know, may represent a state but live in Alexander, Virginia. Um, and, and a lot of your lobbyists and people that work in these national organizations that have an office out in Washington, D.C., you know, they, they may be friends and neighbors with these same people. But there are states, and, and I think I've named a few of them, but, and I probably missed a few, <clears throat> that, you know, you're going to have a conservative organization in a liberal state. I can tell you I got a good friend from California and said part, part of the problem that California agriculture did was California agriculture tried to get along with them for too long, and then there was a point where they started to fight them because they had nothing left to lose. And so you could maybe come back and say, well, that's, that's what you're saying you want, you want them to do here. Well, no, I'm looking for friends on the other side of the aisle that will actually stop some of the crazy stuff that happened in California from happening. But we got to give them a little room to breathe. But I also know, too, that, that there's certain things we're going to have to fight on. And I think, too, there's some Republican... Uh, politicians that are going to have to realize that, especially in primaries, there's going to be certain issues that, well, as, as one beef leader told me one time, you know, um, it's Armageddon. And, and he was talking about, you know, the animal welfare rights people. You know, because if they get their way, they shut down what this guy's livelihood is because he feeds a lot of cattle. You know, there's really no compromise there. And, you know, he says, I expect that out of, you know, the Gold Coast along Lakeshore Drive. I don't expect that out of somebody from, you know, conservative downstate Illinois. And I also think, too, and I think we've tried to do a lot of this, is, is the education of people that don't really understand what we do in agriculture. You know, all that corn, sweet corn. No, it's not. We don't, you don't, humans don't eat any of that. I'll give you an ear of corn in the fall of the year and you can try to eat that. But it makes doggone good animal feed. We export it all over the world. And then we also, you know, turn it into biofuels along with feed and everything. You know, the carbon dioxide we get off of it, the, the corn oil we get off of it, you know, soybean processing, you know, and there's a lot of jobs there. You know, the fact that agriculture is still the number one industry in this state when it comes to economic activity and people, um, you know, going along. And I, and I think that's what we have to tell our friends across the aisle, even though we're a conservative group and even though you have liberal viewpoints, everybody's got to eat. Well, hey, went here long enough. Conservative organization in a liberal state makes interesting bedfellows at times that's that's maybe how I'll leave it at that well hey if you got any thoughts on this if you think I'm off base if you think I'm wrong let me know I uh, don't mean to upset anybody it's just the realities that we live in hey to the smartest audience in agriculture thanks for listening